Hey guys, welcome to Appleosophy Weekly. Let's unwrap the tech of today. I'm your host, Bram Shank, and let's get started. Appleosophy Weekly, episode 32. And our first story of the day, and this is a great segue because we have a question from a user. Instagram user DeepM21112 says, what was Apple's big news on January 13th? And here it is. It's our first story of the day. So big news. So Apple has a racial equity and justice initiative, and they announced this last April or last June, sorry, in 2020. June 2020, they announced the racial equity and justice initiative, and they pledged $100 million. And this is how they're, they're planning to address systemic racism, barriers to opportunity, and combat injustice head on. So they're making good on that promise, and they're announcing several new projects. One of those projects is the Propel Center, and that's a $25 million investment. And it's offered through HBCUs. Those are historically black colleges and universities, if you're not familiar. And it's headquartered in Atlanta. So the mission with the Propel, Propel Center is to establish innovation and learning hubs. So it's designed to connect these students with technology curriculum, entrepreneurship skills development, and cultural leaders within these communities. So this is a really neat effort. What are some of your guys' thoughts on this? Personally, I think it's, it's, it's amazing that Apple is, you yeah. know, among the forefront of companies taking the, you know, taking the big steps, the big leaps in solving these systemic racial issues. And, yeah. you know, them coming out with such a big announcement on how they're planning to do this in the future is absolutely amazing. I think it's going to benefit many people um, many more than maybe even, you know, we even realize now. And I think the impact that it's going to have on the future and just other companies uh, taking these steps is, is going to be big. Yeah. And, and that's not all they also have. They also have the Apple developer Academy. So that's in Detroit, Michigan. And that, that has a whole emphasis on coding and tech education in general. And then they also have venture capital funding for black and brown entrepreneurs um, so Apple's kind of putting their money where their mouth is in terms of funding these projects and addressing these, these systemic issues, these barriers to opportunity. Yeah, I think one of the, the things that I really love when it comes to how a big corporation addresses issues in society is that Apple is not one to immediately tell people what they're doing. Um, they're one to, you know, get it right and then say, hey, this is the, the model and this is the example. So for them to address this issue in Atlanta, which is, you know, predominantly African-American, is, is giving an example of this is how we need to address this issue. This is how we're providing resources. And, you know, this is the mold. Um, and, and when we look at just how people are learning their devices, Apple's devices are in education. So for them to have things at places that like Morehouse or, you know, education, yes. it's just, it, it, it's, it's going to really give the opportunity to individuals who didn't have the opportunity 
simply because of the resources. I mean, if you look at them using a Definitely. PC and wanting to do things of media and then using an iPad and doing things of media, it's a completely different yeah. world. So I think it's a great Definitely. A completely different world. And we've seen this. Education is something that's deeply ingrained in Apple's DNA. And to see Apple address these issues head on and say, hey, this is this is our major step forward towards towards equilibrium, education for all. And I think it's I think it's a great step forward. But that's our breaking news story for today. Uh, I want to give the viewers an opportunity to get to know both of you. Um, so, Terrence, why don't you go ahead and, and, and tell the viewers a little bit about what you do. I understand uh, you, you're an author, musician. Um, maybe tell them a little bit about your daily driver. Which What Apple product do you find yourself reaching for the most? My phone. <laughs> like, like all your of phone, us, Your right? phone, your iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and <clears throat> I lean heavily on my phone uh, when it comes to all my devices. I, I, I have everything. Other than the the new Mini, I don't have the new Mini. Um, but I have everything. So I wake up and, and I literally use my calendar. I don't look at the time. It's just, you know, where is that line? <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> What do I need to do? <laughs> um, but for me, I, when I'm asked what I do, it's a, it's a challenging question to answer because it's, you know, I need to explain what I, what I do so um, I can help you. But when it's a more broad answer, I help people accomplish their ideas. Yes. In the business industry, I've been with multiple companies. I've, you know, I've been in sales. I've been in training. So whatever those goals were, accomplished. As a consultant, when I'm helping other businesses, okay, do you need help with, you know, a website or multimedia or marketing, whatever it is. So that's what I do. Um, I have written multiple Excellent. books. Uh, I kind of do that just as a, my first book was more kind of, understanding life mm -hmm. and from there is more how I've trained teams um, now doing more music it's more trying to get a message across more trying to just have fun with life um, yeah so that's I mean that's me in a bucket you know and I have a son I have two dogs I love being outside um, you know it's a beautiful life that's awesome I you know I love that from the from the perspective of someone who's doing consulting this is, this is, you know, an outreach effort across the board to help people achieve their goals, start that business that they've been wanting to start, uh, capitalize on that idea they have. Um, so you're, you're at the forefront of innovation, and, and I love that. I'm thrilled to have you on the show. Thank you. Great to be here. And our, our second guest is Gio Rico, also known as McGuire. And McGuire, tell us a little bit about who you are. I understand you are a pretty prominent member of the Apple leaker community. You're rubbing elbows with people like Max Weinbach, John Prosser. Tell us a little bit about uh, the man behind the Twitter account. Yeah. So, um, hi, my name is McGuire Wood. Uh, I've, I've been leaking now, um, I, I'd say for about a year. Uh, I actually started on my personal Twitter account before I decided to make a new one in June of 2020. Um, I, I prefer uh, music. I'm learning. Uh, I'm actually learning to produce music myself now. Okay. I'm so do big... the products play a role in that? Are you, yeah. I mean, are you reaching for an iPad or maybe one of the new M1 Macs, something like that? Yeah. So right now I actually use my, my iPad and my Mac mini. Um, and in looking into the future, I'm actually looking at getting the M1 MacBook Pro. 
Nice. Good choice. Yeah, definitely. I'm, Terrence, I'm hoping you, for the... Are you looking at any of the new Macs? No, I, I mean, I, if I'm going to start doing more, you know, recording as he's mentioning, yes, but I have the older Mac yeah. Mini, I have my Mac Air. So I'm, I'm trying not to, but it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm, I can make a lot of things work on my iPad. I can get by with my iPad largely mm -hmm. most of the time. Um, as I started getting deeper into video and music and things like that, I really needed to, to invest in one of the M1 Macs and it's, it served me well, but to stay on topic. So McGuire, tell us about how did you get into the leak community? Like, does this start on discord or how, how did you find yourself? What was your first leak? Yeah. So funnily enough, it actually started on telegram. Okay. It was just a small so let, group. Let the viewers know what Telegram is. Right. A lot of different people watch this show. Yeah. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm sure people have been hearing a lot of, of about Telegram recently. Um, yeah. Especially in light of all of the Facebook and WhatsApp privacy issues. Mm -hmm. But WhatsApp, or sorry, Telegram is an alternative messaging service. Um, you can think of it like WhatsApp and Signal in the regard that you can start chats with individuals and you can also hold groups. But it's also used a lot within business aspects. I yeah. know here at Appleosophy, we we have multiple chats uh, in company. Yeah, we utilize Telegram for quite heavily all our different projects Definitely. across the board. Yeah, yeah. So I, it was a small group. Uh, it was a small Telegram group of me and a few friends, and we actually had uh, Fudge Chaco Bit. I'm sure knows, I'm sure most people know. Okay, so um, prominent member of the Apple Leaker yeah. community. Yeah, we actually had. Hey goes by the name of fudge for people who aren't familiar yeah so for people who aren't familiar uh he goes by the name fudge uh, at choco bit okay we had we had him in our chat for for a little while initially okay. you know it was just a chat that we'd all hop in we'd exchange just you know memes and we'd talk with each other that kind of thing yeah um before a few of us kind of transitioned that chat over to discord but in that in that process uh I actually got to to know Fudge uh, a bit better, and we kind of talked back and forth uh, about a few different things, and we talked about you know how he got into the into the leaking scene, and yeah. I looked at that and I kind of went, wow, you know this, you know I have an interest in this already. This this seems really cool, and you know if I if I play my cards right, you know I've got the right contacts, so. So, so he, he kind of gave you a playbook, a starting point yeah. to be this. Okay. Yeah. He, he, I'd say he gave me a good starting point uh, to kind of get into it, you know, showed me kind of the, the rights and wrongs a little bit of how to, you know, not do things. Yeah. Because as, as you can imagine. How do you verify information? Right. There, there's definitely, different steps, there's all this stuff. There's a lot of steps. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of steps. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So maybe we can talk about that more in a moment, hmm. um, but we do have a, a host of stories to cover. And I want to let you guys know, this is really cool. We're keeping up with our Apple crime segment. So at the end of the show, stay tuned for a new and interesting story in Apple crime. Um, th this one's interesting. This will surprise some of you guys. Our next story of the day, we're talking about market growth, specifically the Macintosh. So, Mac shipments rose significantly in quarter four of 2020. They shipped an estimated 6.9 million Macs in quarter four, up from 5.2 million in quarter four 2019. 
So this is a year-over-year growth of 31.3%. So what can we attribute that growth to? Obviously, the pandemic, the work-from-home adjustments, things like that. But if you compare quarter three to quarter four, 2020, which is quarter to quarter, the M1, the M1 chip has a huge impact. This market grew nearly 10%. So in quarter three of 2020, max sales were at 21.63%. By quarter four of 2020, after the release of the M1 Max, max were at 31.3%, nearly a 10% increase in market share after the release of the M1 Max. So this is a huge deal. Yeah, definitely. I I, I would definitely attribute this this extremely sudden growth to obviously a handful of factors, but the main, the main factor here is going to be people's skepticism towards M1 when it was initially announced uh, at WWDC, obviously including, you know, prominent members of the tech community where, well, yeah, we had, we had uh, YouTubers like Linus tech tips come out and say, Hey, you know, Apple's basically trying to scam you. They're putting an iPad chip and in, in a laptop and trying to get you to pay laptop money for it. And we've learned that that's, couldn't, that couldn't be further from the truth. But we saw these early sort of clickbait videos and different kinds of content going on that were sort of poking fun at the new Macs, you know, kind of asking, you know, what direction is Apple taking this in? Is, is this going to be a hybrid one day, kind of like a Surface where it's a cross between a tablet and a laptop? If so... Why is Apple adding all these iPad-like features to a Mac and yet not giving a Mac a touchscreen? There were a lot of questions that were being asked, and it was a huge turning point for the Mac. You know, and if I could, I'd like to compare this to, to the initiative that we talked about in the beginning is Apple has a, a vision of things and how mm. things are and should be. Yes. And that's when society starts to you know, say, oh, it looks like a, because I read something on CNET that was talking about how it compared it to PCs. Like, you can't, it's not, it's not a comparison. It's not the same, right? Yeah. So I think with, with Apple's Definitely. vision, they're looking further ahead. And, and you know, even with, because I have shares of Apple, like, you know, probably we all do. And there hasn't been a yeah. big growth, you know, we've seen two, three years ago when it was in the hundreds, two, three hundreds. So, there isn't a big growth, but I'm looking at how the sales are through the pandemic and then looking at how they're becoming the norm. And I'm really excited to I haven't tested the chip just yet, but I, I'm that's what I'm telling you guys. It's it's hard for me not to, to jump over, but there's, right. there's yeah. something about what this can do that's going to really just take us by surprise. Right. Well, we, we've seen it. And that's a great point, Terrence, because we've seen a host of interesting things having to do with the M1 chip. There are certain tasks that I do on my computer where I'm emulating an Intel app. I'm using Rosetta and I complete tasks faster in Rosetta on an M1 chip than I did on my Intel MacBook Pro Definitely. from just a few years oh, ago. Wow. And And so... I'm emulating tasks faster than I can complete, than I can run that Intel code on an Intel machine. I'm running this non-natively faster than I can run it natively, which is, is just a total mind blow to me. Right. That's, that's what's kind of ushering in what I, I don't even hesitate to, to say it anymore. It's, it's, it's going to, it's game changing now, you know, Intel just, just recently, um, 
in, in talks to start up their own arm division. Everybody is starting to get in on arm because they know, you know, Apple has taken the jump now. Where else do we go? The, the, perform- the performance, they, it sh- it's been shown. If you do an ARM process right and developers are willing to follow you, then you won't have a problem going from an x86 to ARM architecture. Yeah, and, and you know, we've seen, it, you know, in, Intel's kind of shaking in their seat now. We're going, you know, where do we head next? Is ARM really the future? Apple's had faith in, in ARM being the scalable architecture uh, for the future of all Apple products. And we've seen that over the course of the last decade. Mm. Like Terrence was saying, you know, Apple finds a technology that they really believe in. And then they start perfecting it. They right. start building upon those foundations that they believe in. They have a vision and, and they, they've truly created this scalable architecture where they have a lot of experience working with it, how to optimize it. They've been doing it for the iPhone, for the iPad for the last 10 years. Right. And I definitely think in terms of, of M1, they, I know, I know Linus actually brought this up. They looked the Series 0 Apple Watch and learned from that. You know, the Series Zero was yeah. Apple's grand introduction into the wearables space. And mm-hmm. at first, you know, the Series Zero wasn't that highly regarded. It wasn't great. And Apple said, okay, we'll come back and we'll do better. So come, you know, eventually the eventual announcement of the Series 1, and they just blew everyone out of the park. They, they completely surprised everyone. And I think that's what they had planned for M1. They, they wanted to go big and they did. Well, I think, and that's interesting that you brought that up and Terrence, maybe you could add to this. I know you're a hardcore Apple watch user. My take with the series zero or the first generation Apple's watch, we've dubbed it series zero for those that aren't familiar. My take with the first Apple watch is Apple wanted to deliver something greater than what the technology at that time could allow. Don't get me wrong. The system on chip that they pushed with that, with the first generation Apple Watch, blew me away. It was extremely capable. But this was a device that was meant to, in short interactions, replace many of the things my phone did. And a lot of the operations, something as simple as checking my email, didn't seem that convenient because it didn't do it as fast as my phone could do it. So what's your take on this, Terry? Well, I have the watches one through four. Love my watches. Okay because I used them for what they were designed for. And that was for me being able to go outside and I have my phone, enjoy my music, you know, monitor health. Yeah. Um, but when it started to get to things like monitoring like your blood oxygen levels, for me, it was just, it, it was more health that they were being able to yeah. receive than I understood myself. So that, for me, it kind of made me veer towards, you know, not even wearing my apple watch anymore which is which is interesting yeah so i don't know and i and i and i kind of wanted to ask you all you know with with the watches how do you use your watches now because i'm 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 leaning Mm. toward maybe getting a series six or maybe getting the fitness so what are you seeing that you're using your watches for now for me myself primarily I, you know, I, I suffer from a number of health issues and I won't go in depth on that right now, but I do need to monitor my heart constantly. I do need to monitor my blood oxygen constantly. And so Apple Watch for me is really one of those indispensable products, something I, I'm always going to need. 
for the foreseeable future. Um, I'm constantly checking all these metrics, not because I'm a hypochondriac, but because it's important for me to check these things. Mm-hmm. It, it, this is a device for me that in some cases could be life-saving. And, you know, I know we've seen that in the commercials and things like that, but it's, it's really true. I, I take my ECG several times a day. I take my blood oxygen several times a day. And when we saw Apple, and Terrence talked about this, we saw Apple sort of pivot their efforts and say, hey, this is where we can really make a difference. These medical studies, putting health at the forefront of Apple Watch and really giving users the ability to own their health, to own that content um, and, and decide what to do next. We've seen this this impeccable integration with the Apple Health app and things like that. So to me, it's just one of those things that's indispensable. It helps me keep my life in balance. And one day it could be life-saving. Would you say it's yeah, accurate? Definitely. I, I, would, I would say, you know, I've done, I've ran the numbers. I've done my research. A lot of doctors back this stuff. I get that the blood oxygen stuff isn't cleared yet. Um, I've had a few instances where I was with my medical provider. They were taking my blood oxygen and the numbers uh, lined up perfectly with what my watch was giving me. I actually activated the button at the same time that the doctor was taking, using that big machine to take my blood oxygen, and I received the same result. So I don't know if that's just a coincidence, but uh, you know, I've seen doctors and things comment on these and, and about the accuracy, and they have a lot of faith in it. Well, I guess that's for me. I'm I'm always you know I have a for I did mention I have a degree in psychology. I have a master's in psychology. So anytime I'm I'm behind yeah. something or I'm backing something, I know. And so to hear you've had such a personal, intimate experience with it, I mean that that's it sells it for me. I don't I don't need to like research <laughs> or read reviews. I mean, yeah, if definitely. it's that accurate to the point where you can trust it, and me, you know, I don't have those types of you know health conditions, but knowing that you have experienced life changes, this is helping you through those life changes. I think for me, I, I just might have to go get one now. Yeah, it's it's interesting because it's this was life changing for me. I, you know, I was someone that had to, to walk around with a halter monitor, an ECG monitor that was, you know, the, the size of a brick that you strap to your belt and you walk around with it all day and you have wires running through your clothes and it's attached to you. And, you know, I got made fun of in high school for that and things like that. So when they added ECG to the Apple Watch, that was life-changing because I looked like everybody else. I could walk around with a watch on my wrist and nothing else and be able to monitor these things. I bought devices uh, for my iPhone early on where I could take an ECG uh, from my iPhone. AKG had a, had a very helpful product. And so I, I was always looking for solutions. Apple Watch has been that product for me where when that time comes around every year, I get more excited for the Apple Watch than I do the, the iPhone. And I know I'm in the minority on that. What, which one do you have? Do you have the Series 6 or do you have the Health? So I have, I have the Series 6, the, the, the latest one, the 44 millimeter. And, you know, and I use it for everything. I use it to, to track my sleep, fasting, uh, weight loss, all, all different kinds of things. Apple fitness integration. We talked a lot about that on the last episode. It's, it's, it's one of those products that I wouldn't know how to do without. And coming from the aspect you were talking about, I love that it frees me from my phone. I love that I don't feel the need to be attached from my phone. I can go on a hike. And if someone important calls me, I know I can answer it right away. It's a freeing product for me. Right. It kind of it, it buys back a lot of time for me. 
And it's kind of ironic that, hey, it's a watch. And I feel like it buys back time. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I personally, so I, I own the Series 3. Um, at the time that the, yeah. the purchase decision was made, the SE didn't exist officially yet. Mm-hmm. So for me personally, because I, you know, I like doing a lot of things outdoors, like running, cross country, hiking, uh, mountain biking. I'm in I'm big into mountain biking. Uh, it it oh, really cool. does help me a lot in that I don't have to buy, you know, this super expensive, say like Garmin. Yeah. Garmin makes a lot of these, you know, they're they're great watches. Don't get me wrong, but they're they're just so expensive for something that I'm not using it for all the time especially during the winter you know i'm not out doing things all the time so it's just it's really nice for obviously being able to get quick and you know easy access to notifications um responding to things like brand emails and whatnot i get notifications on my watch i can see them and if i can you know quickly respond um things like phone calls and text messages have been enormously uh beneficial to me since i've gotten this I I wasn't expecting it, but that integration with Apple products and that whole Apple ecosystem is, you just can't get that anywhere else. Yeah, It's just, it's such a great ecosystem and it's for, you know, for better or for worse, sometimes it has its problems, obviously, but in my experience, it's, it's been near flawless. Yeah. And, and that, that was something where for me, Series 3 was kind of the turning point for me. It was sort of the the iPhone 4 of Apple mm. Watches where you're like, okay, Apple is setting up momentum now. Now there, there's there's forward thinking here. Everything is working as intended. It's fast. You're not you're not even conscious of what you're doing, right. just the device you're doing it with. I mean, and that's always their right. goal. It's, it's like the Series that 3. Series 3 is where it became clear. Right. It's, yeah, the Series 3 is kind of where, they, where they put their foot down and said, listen, we know what we want to do. We know that you guys want it. So this is what we're going to yes. pour a large amount of R&D into. And, you know, series yeah. you know, four through six happen. And it's like each iteration is getting better. It's adding new features. You know, it's like just with the series six, even well, it's, it's been such a great reception. So it's Apple's system on chips, their their scalable ARM architecture that makes these products special. And that's where this discussion began. And I think we've had a really important discussion about Apple Watch and and how it's changed our lives. But staying on the topic of that scalable architecture, you know, we've seen things like Apple Apple's A13 chip, which was in last year's iPhone 11, set the architecture for what made the the chip possible in Apple Watch Series 6 this right. year for the S6 chip. So how is Intel responding to this? Well, they responded to it this week at CES. Yep. You guys ready? Yep, let's do it. For the 12th, the, the 12th Gen i9s, this is what they announced. They announced them during CES earlier this week. They're planning a late 2021 release. And what's special about these chips is they're similar to the Apple M1 chip in terms of architecture. So if you guys aren't familiar, the M1 has this, what they call in the industry, a big little architecture. So there's, there's high power cores and then there's high efficiency cores. 
And these can be activated dynamically and it saves a lot of power. So that means longer battery life across the board for portable devices. This chip can emulate some of the features of the M1. So this is, this is Intel's idea of the future for a scalable architecture in terms of desktop and mobile devices. And this chip is 10, it's, it's a 10 nanometer, nanometer chip. They were expected to go eight nanometer this year, but they didn't, they held fast on 10 nanometer. Apple's already pushing five nanometer. Mm. So the fact that Intel is still going with 10 nanometer in 2020 is a bit disappointing. Intel's way behind in this respect. And with Apple going five nanometer, that leads to massive leaps in the size, speed, and efficiency of the transistors that are on these chips. And, and that leads to some pretty innovative experiences. That's what we talked about in the beginning of the show as far as the M1 Max. You know, wh where do you see the future of Intel? Where do you see that heading? To be honest, yeah. I, if, if we're looking at what the market needs and, and if the market is going to be way more mobile, right? We have delivery companies that are delivering us, you know, the world now. Are businesses going to want to have a device that's going to need to be larger because of the chip? You know, that's that's mm -hmm. one bigger thing to think about. And if if it's larger, you know, what else is going to be needed? You know, I'm not as intricate as you all to know, you know, what the chips can do. But I, I understand the sizing of it and I understand the board's going to be bigger, all those kinds of things. So I've always seen Intel as a company that that's always, you know, you know, on the legs of Apple, oh, we, we can see what you can do. Right. Yeah, the yeah. foundation. We, we can yeah, see it. But uh, how did you just? How did you do it? You know. So right. I, I, well, that and that's important that you that, that you note that, Terrence, because we can talk numbers all day, but it ends with the user experience, and that's why people watch this show is they want they want to understand, they want to unwrap the tech and understand what is this going to offer me. And the takeaway here is that Apple's still miles ahead that M1 is incredibly efficient and significantly more powerful than these chips that Intel is offering. And when you talk about things like size, Terrence, you know, it, it is very much, what kind of devices are we looking at in the future? We saw Apple make these leaps and bounds with the iPhone where the chip was, was getting smaller every year and that equated to thinner and thinner iPhones. Now iPhones are going in the other direction because people are prioritizing battery. They're getting thicker again, even though the chips are getting mm. smaller. Smaller chips means we can fit more battery. Well, people kept asking for battery. Now the phones are getting thicker. And so it really is an indication of where are these devices headed. Also, you have more efficient chips. You may not need as much battery. That's what we saw with the iPhone 11. The iPhone 11 had a smaller battery than iPhone 10R, but still delivered up to an extra hour of battery life just because of how efficient that chip was. So you may see these, these ultralights, these ultrabooks coming from Intel as they begin to perfect this, this architecture process. Yeah, definitely. I personally, I see Intel as they're, they're being backed into a corner, you know, company mm -hmm. after company have been coming out recently after Apple and saying, look, we know that x86 isn't going to last us forever. You can only go so small with x86 before things just, you, you can't anymore. And with, yeah. with the power efficiency of the ARM process and the ability to go smaller and still be 
you know, more powerful, more efficient. Intel is they're they're essentially at a crossroads now to where they have to make a decision. It's either continue manufacturing x86 primarily for the server, you know, an enterprise architecture like space for now until they can begin to trans, you know, transform over to ARM and then make ARM chips for, you know, the general public, especially for, you know, like you said, ultrabooks especially are going to benefit. Well, it's an important distinction as far as where, where is the industry headed? Because so in like Terrence was saying, Intel has been at the forefront of innovation for quite a while now. We saw when Apple made that transition um, from PowerPC to Intel in 2006, moving to this x86 architecture, they were moving from RISC architecture to CISC architecture. So that's, that's abbreviated for complex instruction set computing. As, as, so that means more code to do less, if you break it down. So at chips like Apple's M1 chip, these scalable architectures, and I know we keep saying that, that we've seen in the iPhones for the past decade, this is moving back to the IBM Motorola RISC mm. architecture. So this is, this is a very well-established architecture. And, it's, and if you look at the market, it's very cyclical. But as we're moving in the direction of mobile devices, we're seeing RISC-based computing. So that's reduced instruction set computing. And what is that perfect for? That, that's perfect for things like Swift, like the Swift uh, coding language, because Swift is all about breaking down that legacy Objective-C language into smaller chunks, less code to do more. And that lines up perfectly with reduced instruction set or risk computing, which is the architecture that M1 and Apple's A-series is built on. And that's why you talk about, you hear Apple go on stage and say, we've optimized this chip perfectly for the demands of our software. That's why they're pushing that rhetoric because they really have at the Silicon and the software level built this robust foundation. Definitely. Yeah. Apple's always, you know, optimize for like they, they never go, you know, let's optimize for software over Silicon or Silicon over software. They work on both in tandem. They look at what they've been doing for the previous update, say iOS 13 to 14. And they kind of look at that and go, here's where we made the changes. What is our future process going to benefit from in future changes? And then they optimize from there. And it's, it's apparent that, you know, with a 14 it's working and it's working extremely well. Definitely. And while we're on this topic, we do have a question coming in from Twitter from user Aditya on Twitter. He says, as a first time MacBook buyer, should I give priority to upgrading RAM or storage? Mm-hmm. What are you using the computer for? Right. What would you What would you say, Terry? What are you using the computer for? Yeah, that's right. the first question, right? Because if it's just, you know, I want to browse online and watch YouTube, maybe write a paper or two, do some documents, then you don't need much of a computer. If it's media-based, if you're going to, create and produce, which is what Apple is trying to put in our hands. That's why they're making the code easier. If you're going to create some things, then you need to go pro. Yeah. And that's an important takeaway. The way I see it is storage. Storage is always expandable. You can always buy another SSD drive. You can always buy another USB stick, whatever you might need. 
in terms of MacBooks, the memory is always soldered. There's no going forward or backward yeah. on that. <laughs> the, if you're purchasing a Mac, any modern Mac, the memory is soldered. It's unified right onto the chip. So I would prioritize memory over storage, given that storage is always expandable. You can always purchase more external storage. Definitely. Yeah, it's I've yeah, That's I've been asked question, this question though. a lot before. And it, again, it's the questions always come down to, well, what's your use case? If you're a creator, you're always going to be prioritizing more RAM because you, at least in the case of yes. Apple's ecosystem, you can't get more. But you can always get more, like, like for example, I'm a huge user of cloud storage. So I can always just mm -hmm. buy more cloud storage. But I can't buy more RAM, which that's the thing is, yes. even if you don't think you're going to need the extra RAM, buy the extra RAM because it could benefit you in the future. That's, you know, that price increase most of the time is going to be worth it for you if you plan on keeping the machine around. And that's a great takeaway, McGuire, because if you look at this, you see the drop-off with Apple's drop-offs with software, they make the cut on RAM. So if I have a 2012, you know, MacBook Air, it can still run macOS Big Sur, the latest operating system, if it has that RAM upgrade, if it has that eight gigabyte versus four gigabytes of RAM. So that's an important takeaway. How long are you going to hold onto the computer? Yeah, and I know a lot of, you know, a lot of Mac users do tend to keep their machines around for a long time and, and use them yes. just because they, you know, they last. And, you know, that's great. Apple's software support is fantastic. But, you know, no matter what you buy, eventually you're going to reach end of life. And in Apple's case, it's like you said, it always comes down to RAM. Like, sure, you can patch new versions of macOS, but it's never as good as, you know, running it officially and... There's a yeah. reason, you know, Apple does it for a reason. And then, like you said, exactly. that vision. First Mac, and so I have the, the black one. Yeah, <laughs> go ahead. Still works. I don't use it, but it mm. still works. It still yeah. powers up to this day. Screen kind of has an issue that that model so, had an issue with the, with the displays, but it still works. There we go. There we go. So while we're on, so while we're on the topic of, of Macs, I lost my train of thought for a second. <laughs> we're on the topic of Macs. We're talking about, while well, we're on the topic of Macs and how Apple is killing it, let's talk about <laughs> how they're losing it. Ah, uh, yes. AirTags. Here we go. Where are they, guys? <laughs> <laughs> so the AirTags story, interestingly enough, begins at Appleosophy, our home right here, because one of our lead editors, Paraj Dutta, he reported on leaked images of AirTag verbiage, and this was in the settings app, and he found this on an Apple support video that was uploaded to YouTube. Once we pointed out that it was there, Apple quickly ran to take it down, um, but this confirmed that Apple had been working on it um, ever since iOS 13. We're on iOS 14 now, but even, so this, this is a year-over-year -year effort of them trying to perfect this technology. What happened this week that was very interesting is users can now access a hidden menu in the Find My app. And this is in a public release build of iOS 14.3 that shows a pairing animation for what could be AirTags. 
have any of you guys taken a look at this, experienced this? What are your thoughts? It just says items, not AirTag specifically. So is Apple going to release hmm. U1-equipped AirPods? Well, I, was, maybe? I, I did have a, ch- have a chance to see that. And I wonder, you know, how are they going to identify the devices? That's, that's my biggest question because it's all Bluetooth for the most part. But yeah, so we're seeing... And, and this is interesting because this comes on the horizon of Apple's or of of mm. Samsung's big event that they had today, where they released their own uh, tile tracker competitor, and that is UWB enabled. So people that may not be familiar with this, it, it's this ultra wideband technology, and basically what it does is it's a fancy way for saying spatially aware Bluetooth. So we're talking. Uh, a a tracker, a tag that I can attach to something, point my phone at the room and then use AR to pinpoint this object and go, hey, it's actually under this cushion in my couch. It's this very spatially aware version of Bluetooth, this ultra wideband technology. Samsung had an event today and they released the Galaxy Smart Tag. And the important thing to note here is the Galaxy Smart Tag is ultra-wideband UWB enabled, but that feature, that that aspect of the product will not be enabled until a software update is released later this year. Right now, it's just working off of Bluetooth Low Energy, which is the technology that makes things like the Apple yeah. Watch so possible. In terms yeah. of kind of where AirTags are, John Prosser in a recent episode of Front Page Tech actually gave kind of his thoughts on this. Uh, I'll give mine, you know, from just kind of what we've been told as well. They, they've been, they've been ready. Okay. Uh, this has been reported yeah. on before. They've, they've been ready for months. You know, Apple has been waiting wow. on a good time to launch them. And as John Prosser said, he thinks that Apple is waiting to, for the right time, because right now with COVID and lockdowns and not being able to, get out and around as much that kind of cripples almost in a way the air tag because for an air tag to work it uses uwb to bounce the signal around between iphones in the area like samsung showed today in the presentation and without these iPhones, yeah it's like it's a way of pinpointing right by so without these iPhones, other things yeah without these iphones that's a good way of describing you know it. equipped with uwb out in public it doesn't it doesn't give the the most use out of out of air tags. Yes, you know, they'd be useful if you're in your home and and whatnot, but the the Apple's main push is if you leave your bag, for example, out in public, maybe at like a food court table or something, you know, along those lines, you can quickly and easily get back to your bag. So and that's that's an interesting takeaway. So this is this, this isn't the kind of thing you're going to be using much in quarantine, right? And that's, so you're saying that's Apple's right. motivation for not launching them. But when you see competitors already pushing the red button, coming out with the, te- the technology, how do you think Apple's feeling right now? And when you say that they're ready, are they packaged in, in packages on the shelf, ready to go? Or, so, what, I mean, what stage? Uh, as, far as, as far as I know, they haven't been produced yet because apple has been waiting on the word to you know giving the word to their manufacturers to do so but the tooling the tooling is ready 
and the okay. floor space is reserved. All they have to do is give the word and they enter mass production. But, you know, yeah, as of as of this recording anyway, no official production has started as far as as far as I'm aware. So now that we've covered the technicalities a little bit, I, I want to touch base with Terrence and ask you, Terrence, where do you see a device like this having a place in your life? If, if assuming well, it does. When I look at it, it I have to wear two hats, right? One, an entrepreneur and two, you know, a father. So when we look at competitors, yes. I believe competitors are more advertising it as something that's more mm. locally based, like find your keys, et cetera, et cetera. When we look at Apple, they're yes. showing, you know, or the image that we're referring to. I'm looking at the one on back rumors. It, it's showing the the Bay Area. So when I'm looking at it, I'm saying, hey, this could be a great game that somebody could create. And you have these devices, you rent these devices, you go find these locations, whoever finds them fastest mm. wins. So I'm thinking of it as something like that. Or if I have... right. You know, that would be interesting if you like, that's a cool vision, Terrence. So if you have something kind of like, you know, those scooters, uh, like the bird mm-hmm. or the line bikes, have maybe an app like that. And you turn it into like right. a scavenger hunt. You kind of, you gain points for finding things that other people Definitely. have lost. That would be I mean, that's, that's the vision that I get from that map that they have there. So, I mean, there's other things that I have in the back of my mind, but it's just, it's hard to market, right? right? Cause it's yeah. realistically is code, right? How are you going to make code work how are you going to flip the code yeah, definitely that's interesting and I, I like that you're taking it in that direction that's that's your that's the spirit of an entrepreneur is is okay now we have the technology the functionality how do we implement it in a way that's meaningful definitely i would even market it to like white label it right say you know you can only do these features if you you know do this or you know there's other there's so many things that they can do with it because they haven't made it very right clear. Exactly. Different tiers, yes. Yeah, I when I look at AirTags and kind of how they could be used, personally, it's it's like Terrence said. I've kind of got to look at it from two different perspectives. One of them, in in my personal experience anyway, is going to be mm-hmm. one of them is as a student, and the other one is going to be kind of from the eyes of like an organization's system administrator. So on the student side. I could say throw one of them in my bag that I keep, you know, like my books in or my backpack. I could, you know, toss toss one of them in there or clip it on. And if I forgot it in the building somewhere, I'm not really sure where it's at. I don't have to take the time to run around to each of the places that I've stopped at, especially with COVID. Sometimes it's not even an option. So I can I can just go, okay, you know, pull yes, it, find my, here it is. And AR guides me there. And then kind of from a system administrator's perspective, these have a lot of implications for use within the business space from, you know, things like even if they're built into products, so built into iPhones or iPads, future Apple Watches having the capability uh, would be huge. So that's an interesting thing that you mentioned. So the late, just for clarification, the latest Apple Watches Series 6 are U1 enabled along with, iPhone yeah, 11s so and later. Things, right. Exactly. So Which is already be working kind of touching back on the previous one. point of Apple waiting to launch them. The phones are the phones are there, the people aren't, you know? Yes. 
So this, so we have a, a question that someone sent in, a viewer, and this comes from Anton Bolzomi of Twitter, and he's saying, AirPods Pro, are they a good upgrade from AirPods 2, and should mm. I wait for the second-gen AirPods Pro? And this kind of goes along with what we're talking about because we're, we're, we've, we've hit the rumor mill and we're expecting uh, AirPods Pro 2 mm. to be yeah. launched maybe sometime in March. Um, if you're paying attention, to, if you're paying attention to the rumors, we could see a U1 enabled, an ultra wideband enabled, right, pair of AirPods Pro. And think about, I think the Apple product that people Definitely. lose the most has to be yeah. AirPods. So yeah. this could be an extremely huge upgrade, not only to AirPods Definitely. Too, but to like the uh, especially AirPods touching Pro. on the the product that people lose the most. It, funnily enough, mine are actually lost right now, and I'm not really sure. <laughs> um, so having something like the U1 chip, even if it's just in the case is, is going to be huge on, on that, yes. on that question uh, about whether or not waiting to upgrade. It depends on a couple things. The first being what AirPods you have now, if you have the current generation AirPods pro don't, you're fine where you're at. I, I like the fit and finish of AirPods pro specifically because in my use case, and I know, you know, in the words of Johnny Ive, trying to make a mm. pair of headphones is like trying to make a pair of <laughs> shoes that fits everybody. It's impossible. In my case, I love AirPods Pro. I think they're miles better than the regular AirPods because they fit in my ear Definitely. while I'm running. And Definitely. that's enough for me. They're worth it <laughs> just because of that. Yeah. They don't fall out yeah. when I'm running. Right along with you, it's... It's like the perfect fit. It's it sounds better. It feels better. It's another Definitely. experience. Yeah, it's some they're they're kind of like you forget that they're there. Right, they feel like little little air pillows. Exactly. Sign me up. <laughs> Sign me up for your marketing team, Apple. Hire me. <laughs> air pillows. Air pillows max. But moving forward on that topic, Apple also seeded uh, the second dev beta for iOS 14.4. That extends also to iPadOS, tvOS, and then we also had watchOS 7.3 beta too. And like the first beta that introduces a new handoff uh, animation um, that goes hand in hand with the ultra wideband technology we've been talking about. So if you're going to hand off your music to a HomePod mini, the HomePod mini is equipped with an ultra wideband chip and it'll have this spatially aware uh, pairing animation showing you uh, that handoff in real time, how close you are to the device. And then eventually, right as you're about to touch the device, the song jumps. You can see the song jump to the HomePod mini, so to speak, via that animation. Some people are saying, if you read through the forums, some people are saying that this annoying freezing slash stuttering uh, effect is fixed. Other users are saying that it's not. And if you're not familiar with that, it's a huge problem right now. If you have any of the latest iPhones, that whole flick up from the bottom to get to the home screen animation, that whole animation is is totally yeah, it's, it's a little misbehaving, <laughs> I should say, <laughs> ever since the release of, of the iPhone 12. It just feels very un-Apple. It's stuttering and freezing all over the place. And Apple's saying that they're attempting to address that in this latest update. Some people are saying it's still there. Other people are saying it's fixed. Um, so just to keep people updated on the beta, um, this was also in the first beta, but there's a, a toggle for app clips to turn them on and off. That's interesting. Moving forward, will app clips replace QR codes? That might be an interesting thing to discuss. And then we're also waiting on Apple's anti-tracking uh, privacy feature, the one that created all this drama with Facebook. Um, 
Um, they said that they were going to roll that out in early 2021. So we're still waiting on that. Definitely. Maybe that'll show yeah, up. In, I, in I haven't heard videos. a whole lot on my end, but uh, I know that Apple is, they're, they're gearing up for it. Uh, social media companies are, are getting ready for, for it. So I, I, I do think that it is beneficial because people, people, if you're not super kind of ingrained within the tech space and following along with what's going on, you, you might not know the the level of access that social media companies yeah. have like when you're looking at it kind of from someone who's deeply ingrained within the tech space it's it's almost frightening the amount of access that we give social media companies even if they don't intend on using it maliciously yes. it, it, you know it's just having it is an issue definitely you know, it, it's, it, there's, we have all these free services. We have services, social media, like Twitter, Facebook, and we see it as free, but the cost is actually the information that we give up and, and they capitalize on that. That's how they, that's how they create ads that are geared toward our interests. Um, that thing that, that ends up in your Amazon lightning deal is maybe something you talked about while your Google Home device was seen in the room. And so you really benefit, if you value privacy in any respect, you really benefit by going all in on Apple hardware. And you know, it's still hard to stay away from it because you can put Facebook on an iPhone, but Apple's really, really trying to attack this again, head on and say, well, we want, if, if we can't prevent all this tracking, but we want to educate our users right. and let them know. And especially looking at it kind of, from from talking with people on, without going into kind of specifics, with talking to people on some of the teams that have kind of touched these features, it, it is more than just them kind of saying, okay, you know, we can't just outright remove Facebook, you know, even if there was some, you know, some kind of terms of service update and that breached it, removing Facebook is, a, it would be kind of a problem uh, for both companies involved. And it's not a, really a risk that Apple wants to take. So they're looking at this and going, okay, well, we might not be able to remove them and kind of stop them from doing this. But by adding these features, if they choose not yeah. to stop doing it, then maybe enough people will leave for them to stop doing it. Or maybe enough people will call for change. That's kind of the goal that they're looking at right now. Yes, so Apple's kind of betting on what you're saying. Apple's kind of betting on if users are more educated, then they'll make more educated decisions on what software they're using and what what kind of privacy they are giving up. For me personally, that's why I only use Apple products because they they're clear when it comes to that privacy from, you know, I read I go through the settings every time there's an update. I have another phone that has the beta that I can see the the double screen, that's not fun. <laughs> but knowing that they really protect us yeah. and saying like, hey, this is what's going on in the world. You now have an option that's not on an Android phone. So right. we're at an advantage with having the... You're Definitely. given that control. Exactly. Yeah. That your I know, expression. although touching on kind of that, that Android-like portion, I know because it's obviously it's Google, so they have their own policies for and against certain types of data collection. I know with Android 11, uh, I don't know if you guys have looked at it at all. Um, they're giving 
more options, kind of like iOS when they when they you know when Apple started to give more privacy options. Uh, like they're giving yeah. in like in Android 11, um, you have the ability to give access to certain photos instead of your whole camera roll, temporary location permission, that kind of thing. So companies are starting to kind of wisen up about it. And, and this is kind of Apple's theme is they, they'll they'll put this out there and say, these are our values right. and we hope yeah. that others will follow. Right. Yeah. With their environmental yeah, efforts, they, the headphone jack. You're seeing things like the latest mm, Samsung no phone charger, being yep. released and not including a charger. Yeah. It's like Tim Cook even said like during that. WWDC, you know, or not WWDC, sorry, the, you know, like the iPhone announcements and whatnot, when, when he said, you know, we're not including the charger in the box for, you know, like, and lists all these environmental reasons. And he, you know, they say, we hope other companies follow along in our initiative. And yeah. So mm-hmm. it's that's what that verbatim, yeah. companies need to start doing. And Apple doing it first just kind of kicked the industry and went, now it's your turn. And as you know, as we see, Samsung mocks them at first, then deletes it and does it. Same deal with, you know, Xiaomi. Mm-hmm. They mock them at first. Granted, the ads are still up, but then they go and do it. So it's, you know, it's, it's Apple kind of pushing for industry-wide change. And it's a good thing. Yeah, and, and it. It's important to note that we saw a comment from from YouTuber TLD, a.k.a. Jonathan Morrison. He said, you know, I've been behind the scenes on some of these Samsung projects. And he goes, if you look behind the scenes, the people that are working on, that are releasing, that are presenting these new Samsung devices, looking behind Mm -hmm. the scenes, all I see are MacBooks and iPhones. This is the product of choice. And that's why you see tweets from Samsung's official Twitter account 300 times over, and this is not exaggeration, it's literally happened 300 times and counting. Coming from an iPhone, Samsung accounts are tweeting, hey, are you excited for our Samsung event tomorrow? And it says Twitter from iPhone. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's just, it's change, you know? And in Apple, pushing for change and yeah. being willing to take the, you know, the first steps it's, it's a great thing. I see it as a great thing. Yes, obviously no company is in it 100% for the environmental change. It saves them, I forgot how many millions of dollars it saved Apple, not including it and with the extra shipping cost and everything. But the effects of that are still positive. It's a huge deal. Just some last stories to wrap it up before we get into this segment of Apple crime. And I think you guys are gonna yeah. like this one. This is this is a crazy story. I'd watch it. It could be made into a movie. Um, our 2021 iPad Pro. We're really excited for yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, I am. Very, I'm looking into getting uh, getting a new iPad. So this one's definitely one that I've iPad. been looking at. Yeah, I, I need a newer one. <laughs> I think we're all in the market for a new iPad. It's it's something that I daily drive every day. So there's some CAD images coming in from my smart price, and this is an Indian research company. Um, so the, these are alleged images of a new iPad um, that's supposed to be coming this March. And contrary to previous reports, mainly coming from Leaker Makatakara that said it would be a little bit thicker, this shows uh, that it has the same body dimensions. And that's kind of disappointing in a way because Mm. we thought it might have had thinner bezels, uh, a a more, uh, an improved screen to body ratio given the capabilities of mini LED. But it's still nice to see that that it's in the works. And again, this is all just a legend. I, I had a chance to check that out, and I'm wondering what else that space is for. 
because the technology doesn't need it. So I'm excited to see what we're going to be blessed right. with. Because I, I knew I have the, the the latest model and I'm seeing the changes as I you know put the beta on there. I'm feeling that there's going to be another need that they see the iPad can serve. So that's what I'm excited for. Well, that's an important distinction that you're making, Terrence, because we talked earlier about you know, this scalable architecture that Apple has with its ARM-based chips, this this A-series line, and we're seeing A14 pushing 5 nanometer. And so when you think about that, you start to realize that there's a couple a couple millimeters more space, right. extra space in there that you could fit in a battery, a larger battery maybe. And so you, and yeah, you start to realize definitely. that's possible. I was going to say, I got to hop off, guys. I got another call, but um, it was great. I really appreciate the time that you guys, you know, gave me. Um, I love these questions. And I love being able to. Thanks for joining us. It, it's it's really been awesome to have you on, Terrence. Thank you so much for, for coming on the show and 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 sharing us, sharing with us and with My pleasure. Viewers, just just let me know. I'd love to be insight. here. Definitely. It's been a pleasure. Uh, I love it. I hope to have you on again in the future. All right. Thank you. Cool. We'll see you soon, Terrence. And so McGuire, yeah, Terrence had to hop out real quick. He's got a meeting. He's back-to-back meetings. He's a really busy man, you can tell. Um, but I'm, I'm glad he stays locked on. He's on that Apple calendar, mapping his meetings out. Um, I'm, I'm thrilled that he was able to join us. He just has such a creative and insightful sure. uh, take on all this stuff. Right. And and I love that. That's what Apple products breed. Um, but you're going to join me for the last two stories here. And that includes this week in yeah, Apple so, Prime, so stay tuned. Belkin yeah, actually, I was going to touch on kind of the final little bit for, for the yeah. iPad here. I've been, I've been talking, obviously, I've been looking at this, talking with a few people uh, behind the scenes. And, you know, one thing that I've, uh, especially I've been talking with a couple people who work for case manufacturers. Um, and these, the thing that I'm seeing yeah. kind of with this, with the, with the design not changing is Apple, I feel like Apple's kind of gearing up for a, a big shift. So like kind of all at once, you know, thin down the frame, possibly um, bezels shrink, uh, especially with the new Face ID tech uh, that I everyone knows that they're planning. Put that in an iPad, shrink okay. the bezels down. Um, I, I just, I think Apple is intentionally kind of holding back a little bit here. Right. Yeah, well, they, they have a monopoly on the tablet market. You're seeing you've seen companies like Google saying, "Hey, we give up." They've literally released yeah. a PR statement saying the Pixel yeah. Book sucks. We give up, <laughs> basically. So this is interesting because you know when we saw Apple introduce this massive redesign to the iPad Pro back in 2018, it, this was huge because we had a 12.9 inch on the diagonal for an iPad Pro, which we've seen before. But it fit, you could fit yeah. an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper over the top of it. It was in the same right. area, the same body of an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper. You're fitting this 12.9 inch screen because the bezels are so thin. And so it's making this Definitely. large screen tech yeah. so uh, more portable. A lot of kind of case manufacturers that I've talked to have also said, you know, they're not expecting any kind of last minute design changes just kind of from what they've been seeing on their end. But okay. I, I do personally expect within within the next one or two years to see a, a a redesigned iPad Pro that really kind of just comes out 
and just knocks everything Apple has made before off to the side. And they say, mini LED. Yeah. Right. It'd right, be easy mini just LED to stick and, a new chip in this and call it a day. And mini LED and new tech hold on the tablet in market. a new yeah. iPad is going to enable some some really cool things from them in the future. Definitely, I'm looking forward to it. Moving forward, our mm. next story is about Belkin, and they're recalling their portable wireless charger plus stand edition, and these are specifically units that were sold between July and October 2020. And they're overheating, and in some instances, they're even shocking people. Isn't that terrifying? This is like a this is <laughs> definitely. Like a that's that's the first thing that this it. kind of reminded me of was, oh no, a major company is pushing something that's having electrical issues. I really hope this isn't another note. It's the issue because that was bad. <laughs> Get ready for <laughs> the Belkin wireless charger grenade memes. <laughs> so. Do you own any Belkin tech? I, yeah, actually, surprisingly, yeah. I actually I went around and kind of looked um, before the show, and the only thing I've ever owned Belkin related is like yeah. a, it's a it was a like magnetic holder for my note uh, for my car, and I have since gotten rid of that for a, you know I haven't had it in a while, so I haven't I haven't found myself owning any any Belkin tech. Yeah, I. I think the only thing I own from them is a is a thirty pin cord, <laughs> an, an an old iPod style cord, and now I'm kind of worried that it might just spontaneously catch on fire. <laughs> yeah, this this recall is is really interesting because it, it almost feels like they didn't have a whole lot of notice on on kind of MagSafe and getting these wireless chargers and whatnot out. So it feels like they they almost rushed through testing. Yeah. So you're referring to the the Belkin accessories right. like the car mount that for the for MagSafe, the the charger. Yes. And those yep, are official. I do Apple believe they are listed on Apple's right? store page. Yeah, it does seem like a lot of that stuff was short notice because it didn't ship uh, on launch day. It didn't ship right. on. Which makes me right feel like this here so might was, have been another kind of short notice on their part. Uh, possibly even due in part because of mm-hmm. MagSafe. Not obviously, not officially because of that. We don't know any of those details, but I, I do feel as though this might kind of be a byproduct of having to shift development and research time over to those MagSafe accessories that problems like this were were missed. That's an interesting takeaway. Yeah, I'd like to delve more into that. So. Is is this kind of like? Do you think Apple was worried about it leaking leaking ahead of time because we knew about right? It was yeah, it was months in advance. Right, it was definitely a while ago. Um, What's what was the holdup with everything Apple Pro first? You know, first reported on the. uh, I believe I was actually one of, if not the first person, to come out and officially say, "Hey, these magnets aren't just used for." like a couple of small accessories like this is a system that apple is putting in you know time into and completely sticking with this this is this is something that is another right little point in apple's right. yeah, truly that wireless was, feature that they're shooting for that was your take right, and my, you happen to be i would say you happen to be right yep this that was i was going to say in my tweet i said you know iPhone. i'm not surprised that they're doing this it gives them time to demo it for an entire year to see if this is going to help in portless. And so long as yes. they increase that wireless charging speed, 
I, this is definitely, you know, definitely going to be their, their solution. You know, it's an, it's an important time to mention our sponsor for this week's episode. And our sponsor is of course, Anchor. They make this show possible. And they do that because it's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing the podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and it's ridiculously easy to use. Anchor can now match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast, and that means you can get paid to podcast right away. And in fact, that's what we're doing right now. Appleosophy uses Anchor to distribute Appleosophy weekly to your favorite streaming services, including Apple and Google Podcasts. And if you'd like to get started, put your voice out there, you can visit anchor.fm. Again, that's anchor.fm to get started today for free. And now it's time for This Week in Apple Crime. This week in Apple Crime, we have the untouchable Gorilla Stone Nation. This is an organized crime organization. So this, it includes the rap artist Casanova. This is something straight out of a movie. So it has, it has everything. It has racketeering, murder, narcotics, firearms, fraud, right? They, and they were indicted by the Justice Department in, on December 1st, 2020. But it, literally, this could be made into a movie. The big kicker is all this evidence that they have against these guys, this organized crime ring, all comes from iCloud. And why? Because they didn't set up anything. They didn't set up any biometric security, anything. It's like, come on, educate yourself a little bit. On, on some of these functionalities, no, no two-factor authentication, fingerprint, face ID, anyone? I definitely don't understand. I know um, my mom is, is kind of a prime example of somebody not using the, the biometrics. You have such, these people, you know, people who don't do this, <laughs> they're missing out on such an advanced system. It is one of the most advanced facial recognition systems in the world right now. Th- okay, that's an important takeaway. But if I'm a criminal, you'd think I take the extra step this, this is what they had. This, the, look at this. They had a, a table, like a, a, like a Microsoft Excel-style organized table inside Apple Notes. And this had a list of people to be shot and killed on site. And you, you're not going to protect that with any kind of I, I just don't understand, especially anything. in that use case. I mean... You think you'd go the... You think you'd go the... the you know, right. this it's, isn't even it's, an extra mile. This is an extra process. finger <laughs> to to. <laughs> I I have my if, if I had a hit list. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I would have, I, I would have a couple barriers. But to enter, in the uh, not saying the, I do in the reality that you did. Right. I can. Yeah. Like for me, for example, I have you know, in talking with, with people who I I want to protect their identity. You know, I don't want them to lose their jobs. They've got families and everything. I don't have like on my note and, and my iPhone, yeah. uh, especially on my note, you know, I use the ultrasonics fingerprint scanner every step I possibly can, but that's not the only thing that I have. I, I have multiple different forms of two-factor authentication and, you know, have to have to type passwords. So it's, it's, it's things like that, that you kind of wonder if you're going to be running a criminal operation like this, is it really worth the extra few seconds you save not having to do it to be caught? <laughs> yeah. This and this is and I'm going to read the quote here just so we can get an idea of what we're looking at. 
So here's the quote that the media gave on this. So they were indicted on December 1st. It's a group of 18. So are they, are they, is it, is this, is this iCloud sharing? Right. (laughs) Did they like, are they emailing iCloud link with all this or do they all sharing the same account? This is crazy. It says, quote, a list of enemies that has to be crushed on site. It says the, the Apple notes also included the organization's hierarchy. So this is perfect. So when they're chasing the bad guys, they know where to head next. I wonder yeah. which guy got caught. Where was he on the totem pole? You know, that's what I want to know. <laughs> did, did they catch the assistant right? that was at the bottom of the list that forgot that, to sign that out is the just... bomb? I mean, I'll, I will say that I definitely haven't heard of anybody <laughs> running organized crime like that. Um, so that's definitely new for me. Uh, you know, well, I always assumed that all uh, that all of, oh wow, you know, the bad actors <laughs> used Samsung. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, we like to Samsung, Samsung but no. you know, healthy competition. Yeah. I love it. That's what keeps the industry moving forward. <laughs> yes. Um, after all, it is Appleosophy. But you know, at this time, I just want to thank everyone for tuning in and, and and listening to this episode. Thank you so much for sending in your questions. We love responding to those. Um, and McGuire, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for offering your insight on on the tech of today. Is there anything uh, else yeah, that you'd like to add before uh, we Thanks for off? having me. Uh, always a pleasure to to come on and, and feature on other shows. Uh, always have a great time. Uh, questions this week were great. Really loved uh, really loved responding to them. Um, don't I don't really think I have anything uh, anything else to say. Obviously, um, if you're not already, I have a Twitter, twitter.com forward slash Gioriku. Yeah, so I have a yeah, I have a Twitter, twitter.com forward slash Gioriku, J-I-O-R-K-U. Um and that's that's about it for me. Awesome, and and that's an important account uh, to follow because you had you had a lot of insight as far as where MagSafe was headed and things like that. It's you know if you want to be on the fringe of of where tech is headed, go ahead and and, and follow uh, Gio Rico and um, stay up to date on on the latest news and tech. Um, you, you cover things very thoroughly. Definitely, I've actually got a, I've got a few few cool things coming up in the pipe soon. Uh, I believe my most recent was definitely my most recent was uh, confirmation Looking that uh, Hyundai it. is still working with Apple. They've just been so I've got I'm looking through some upcoming bits for that, but I'll Big I'll news. save that until I've got some some more info. Awesome! So upcoming bits on Apple Car. Hopefully, we can unwrap that in next week's episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Appleosophy Weekly. Thank you for unwrapping the tech of today with me, your host, Bram Shank. This is me signing off. Sweet. Thanks for having me. Had a great time. Cool, man. Thanks for joining. <laughs>